Welcome to The Grind, a podcast about the church planting process and missional strategies to make disciples of all nations. Coming to you from the offices of the Arkansas Baptist State Convention in Little Rock, Arkansas. Now, here are your hosts, Dave McClung and Chad Grigsby. Welcome back to a new episode of The Grind podcast in uh, the ABSC Dungeon. Once again, I just can't get over how green this dungeon is, you know, with the green room that Nick has painted here. Looks, Looks very lovely. It feels kind of Christmassy. Mm, it, so. it reminds me of the color of the Wicked Witch in <laughs> Wizard of Oz. Before she melted. Yeah, so, pre-melting. Yeah. Hey, this is Dave McClung. Uh, with me also is Chad Grigsby. So Chad, say hello. To yeah, me. great to be with you guys. Hey, stay connected to us uh, with what God's doing with Church Planting through our Facebook page, ABSC Church Planting. On the Twitters, AR Church Plants, also on our website, absc.org. And then send us uh, anything you have via email at thegrind at absc.org. That's right. And we're looking to do a segment coming up uh, where we'll do some Q&A, uh, kind of a mailbag segment. And so, uh, uh, segment, <laughs> I'm not sure I didn't pronounce that right correctly the first time, So, uh, but this is what you get with the Grind Podcast with Dave and Chad. And uh, Nick just shakes his head at us uh, quite often throughout the whole episode. So, uh, but yeah, we want to hear questions from you, uh, some topics you may be interested in, in hearing about, discussing. And uh, so shoot that to us, um, the grind at absc.org. What have you been up to lately? Chad, we went to see, we took our kids to see Secret Life of Pets. Oh, great. And a uh, great movie, a uh, lot of fun, very funny. Uh, the the old dog with the wheelchair back legs is awesome. <laughs> so we, funny. We had one of those in our neighborhood in Batesville. Did you? No yeah. Kidding. Oh, he's so funny. He's old and <laughs> and uh, so just just a great great movie and you know really got us to thinking. Yeah, I wonder what our dogs Duke and Bowser do. Yeah. We have a uh, black and white border collie named Duke and uh, a little Boston bulldog named Bowser That's and. Awesome. Uh, um, there's no telling with those two. <laughs> no, no way. Uh, we have two dogs as well. Uh, I say we. They're really my wife's dogs. Uh, <laughs> Ava and Manning are yeah. our dogs. And uh, I know what they're doing when we're gone. They're sleeping because they're yeah. worthless. That's yeah, they're yeah. <laughs> well, and that's Bowser. Uh, he, he sleeps a lot. Yeah. And uh, I, I was walking in the kitchen the other day. I just fed the dogs. And Duke was eating in the food bowl. And both the food bowls were right next to the other. And he was blocking the other food bowl so Bowser couldn't get to him. So Bowser was just kind of sitting on his back haunches just watching Duke eat, hoping that he uh, might be able to get in there and get some food. Yeah. yeah so they're, they're funny dogs, funny awesome. dogs. All right. Well, we're excited today. We've got our buddy Stephen Bell uh, on the podcast with us. Stephen is planting uh, or replanting. Uh, that's going to be kind of the focus of our discussion today, replanting Otter Creek Community Church. Otter Creek Baptist Church closed down, uh, and uh, they've been going about two years now with Otter Creek Community Church. And so replanting is kind of a newer discussion, really trying to uh, put some strategy and, and structure to this idea. And on average in Arkansas, we have about 16 churches close uh, per year mm -hmm. uh, in Arkansas, and uh, about 900 nationally uh, each year. And so uh, we'd love to see God resurrect some of these places and, and replant a uh, growing healthy church in some of these facilities and some of these communities that, uh, uh, that need churches and, uh, and talk about how some churches can leave new legacies 
even after they do shut down. And so that's going to be the topic of the conversation with Stephen. And I uh, hope you enjoy this, this chat with him. All right. Well, welcome to the, the grind, Steve Bell. Yo, man. I'm glad to be here. What's up? Steve is pastor of Otter Creek Community Church in Little Rock, Arkansas, and our buddy. And uh, so glad to visit with him today. And uh, Steve, how hot is it out there today? (laughs) Uh, Well, it is so hot that it will mess up a pimp's hairstyle. (laughs) (laughs) That's how hot it is right now. But uh, Hey, that's pretty hot. (laughs) <laughs> that's pretty hot <laughs> oh my goodness well this is going downhill quick alright <laughs> let me pop my brakes let me pop my that's break. right that's right that's a good willyism there well guys we're going to talk about uh, kind of a, a not really a new thing today but it's uh, uh, kind of a new passion and, and really uh, a, a re-energized passion for the ABSC and and Steve is a great example of this in, in, in the area of replanting churches. On average in Arkansas, uh, 16 churches a year close, and we want to create a strategy to try and help some of those churches leave a legacy that will go beyond uh, the closing of the doors and not just see an empty church building. Uh, we want God to continue to be glorified in these communities. And, and uh, uh, a couple years ago, Otter Creek Baptist Church closed down, and uh, Steve uh, moved in to resurrect uh, that with some of the remaining members and mm-hmm. uh, for Otter Creek Community Church. So kind of talk about your, your journey in ministry leading up to that point and then including uh, the, the replanting of Otter Creek Community Church. Absolutely, man. Uh, and really, I, I can sum it up and say it was really a God kind of thing. Uh, man, I had served as a student pastor for, I guess I told about eight years, and uh, I just remember in 2012, I felt God just really impressed on my heart to uh, to go out to Otter Creek and uh, plant a new church, not knowing that God already kind of had something at work. And it just kind of reminded that God is already <laughs> at work before he calls us to a work. And um, he was just, just, just inaugurating something in the hearts of Otter Creek uh, First Baptist. And, um, and they began to just kind of pursue just many options. And one of those options happened to be partnering with the state convention and that maybe identifying a church planter that could come out and help reach the community. And, um, and that was in the fall of 2012. And it was just amazing uh, when we had that first meeting. You could just tell that God was already kind of knitting our hearts together. Um, that we really had a passion to reach this community, which is a very diverse neighborhood. I mean, it's yeah. probably one of the most diverse neighborhoods in the state. I mean, uh, you talk about 44% white, 42% black, and other percent other people. And um, and the church was a very homogenous group, and they just were not engaging and able to reach the neighborhood. And uh, and over the course of that year from 2012 uh, to 2013, we really just you know, felt like God also called us not to just reach the neighborhood, but also shepherd and pastor the existing congregation of Otter Creek First Baptist. Yeah. You know, the, and they were without a pastor. Uh, they had um, they had experienced some church hurt, and they needed to be uh, made whole. And, um, you know, for us, you know, the gospel is still uh, able to do all that, you know, not only just transform us, but then also encourage us and help restore us. And, um, and so a part of that, we just did that. We loved on them, and uh, they began to see our hearts and our desire to just be a gospel-centered church. Uh, we wasn't trying to be in the, you know, any type of affinity group-type you know, type church. We just said, man, hey, we're trying to reach whoever is in this neighborhood with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, 
and the, the short of it, man, we saw God just, uh, you know, knit us together and start having other conversations about bringing the um, the two churches together yeah. and, um, and seeing God do something beautiful. And, and we're just seeing it now. Awesome. Awesome. So. Talk, talk about some of the unique aspects of kind of shutting one church down and then replanting, you know, in that existing location. Because you, you maintain yeah. some of the members from the old Otter Creek First Baptist Church that are still yeah. with you. And, you know, talk about that transition, closing down, kind of emotional aspects of that, and then what you did to keep, you know, you said before that you really spent a lot of time loving on those folks and just yeah. helping them come home. So talk, kind of talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, and really, we wanted to just kind of tap into the narrative of the church already. I mean, the church, you know, was uh, out of Creek first back when they first got started. It, it was a church for the community. So we knew that coming in. And so it wasn't going to be uh, that big of a sale to say, hey, we're still a church about the community. And so we just kind of tapped into that narrative, um, into, you know, their hearts, because that's what they were passionate about. They wanted to reach this neighborhood. So we, we just kind of tapped into that. And, uh, you know, I think for them, they understood that, you know, in order to reach uh, this different group of people, uh, first of all, they had to know who those people were. Yeah. And so we gave them some demographics that, hey, man, this is the makeup and the landscape of this community as different than it was in 1985. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yep>. Imagine that. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it's amazing how that works. And, yeah. so, uh, and so we just kind of laid out those demographics, gave them the median age for the neighborhood, which I think was at the time was like 37, 38 years old. And the median age for the existing congregation out of Creek First Baptist, it was uh, 67. Wow. Um, and um, there were no children whatsoever. And um, and the, the community is lively. I mean, it's, just, it's a lot of activities going on out here, a lot of family uh, activities. So, you know, and for the church just not to be tapped into that, you know, they understood, hey, something had to change. And we could, they could not continue on the same trajectory they were on if they're going to reach people. And so just just illustrating that um, and then coming to terms with, hey, we're going to have to, you know, really close down our three first baptism and really start with something fresh, something new. We, hey, the gospel is going to be the same. The message is going to be the same. Uh, our methodology is going to be a little different. We want to make sure uh, we're tapped into what's happening to in this neighborhood. Yeah. And, um, and so we just wanted to move into that vein. And I think they understood that. Um, and, and, you know, they didn't expect us to come in and try to change, you know, just – really change a whole lot as far as, um, you know, you because know, I think they were thinking we're going to kind of maintain some things, but, you know, we had to really convince them, hey, look, guys, uh, if, if we're going to really reach people, we have to really trust God's plan and not our own agendas. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and yeah, you do that lovingly, and that's, after there's been a lot of relationships built, and, and this has been over the course of a year, so that didn't just happen overnight. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's, that's the encouraging thing I want to remind people is that, you know, in that instance, you don't, you don't want to be in such a rush mm-hmm. uh, to make the change, but you want to be sensitive to God's timing yeah. uh, more than anything else. Um, and I think that helped people to buy into uh, what we were willing to do with that. They, said they saw how genuine we were and how uh, passionate we were to share the gospel and reach people. Yeah, absolutely. I remember uh, the first Sunday that I was with the ABSC, I supply preached for you at Otter Creek Community Church, which was which was a great experience. I remember walking in and seeing not only an, a multi-ethnic church, but a multi-generational church. I mean, yeah. it was it was old and young. It was white, black, and some Asian. Just mm-hmm. a lot of diversity. And I mean, I'm sure. I mean, it's it's really a neat picture. I know there's it's a represent representation of the kingdom of God, but I'm sure yeah. it presents some unique challenges as well. How do you how do you keep everybody going in the same direction and bring unity? 
uh, in that? Yeah, I think uh, it goes back to just the, the you know focusing on the gospel. Um, yeah, and I, I don't want to make it sound like as a scapegoat, but I think understanding that the gospel has to be the priority, yeah. and then anything else that tries to unseat the gospel, we need to scrutinize and really need to evaluate why is it such a priority. Mm-hmm. I think so often we elevate preferences and and you know and other things and make it a priority over the gospel. Well, the gospel means we want to let go of everything else to pursue the, pursue God, to pursue a relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, if that's true, then then that means we ought to be willing to let go of things that may not or may really get in the way of us reaching people. Absolutely. And so that means that, hey, we have to be committed to pursuing and racing after Jesus. Yeah. And any obstacle we need to jump over, knock over, <laughs> run through it, or whatever. Uh, but we don't ever let those preferences unseat the priority of the gospel, because that's what changes people. That's what changes you know, communities. And once we begin to really um, you know, preach that and live that, uh, with a sense of authenticity, I think people begin to understand, you know what, why am I making such a big deal about this thing, which doesn't have the power to transform a person's life? Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. The color of the carpet has never transformed anybody's life. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you know, we've got several guys that are are taking on this challenge of replanting, whether they're uh, two congregations merging together, or they're, uh, a, a church is shutting down and they're going to resurrect a new work in that place, or they're replanting within. You know, there's some, some different dynamics that go on in a replanting conversation than there are in a just start from scratch in a fresh place kind of conversation. Absolutely. So, so what are you know one or two pieces of advice you would give somebody that are are toying with the idea of replanting uh, where there is an existing congregation that is either going to shut down or merge in with them, or what? What are some of maybe top one or two things you might share with them as a from your journey? Uh, I, I guess one of the, the main things would, yeah, you know, first of all, have a blended team um, because you don't want to have a one group kind of speaking louder than the other group. Yeah. Um, you know, and then one of the things that, and, and this is kind of hindsight now, you know, because we had a lot of, when we had a, our, our small group, there was a lot of new people, new believers, unchurched people, and so they were very hesitant to, to speak up, and so they didn't, we didn't really involve them and do a good job involving them in the conversations yeah. early on. And so we had other voices that spoke louder. Yeah. I think if, if any church is thinking about replanting and, and, and really having um, kind of a merging of two groups, man, really, you know, take, take in consideration, hey, let's, let's organize this leadership group that reflects, you know, who we're trying to reach and where we are right now. Right. So, so it can't be dominated by one group. Otherwise, you, you're going to make decisions based on, uh, maybe just preferences than really wow. taking a very good look and, uh, and take a good listening to everyone that that's around the table. Yeah. Uh, so everybody got to be at the table. That's right. You know, um, and if you exclude any one group, then that's going to probably be the group you're going to miss. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's what you're talking about earlier. Just all the barriers that we've created. I think preferences can be a huge barrier yeah. to to, oh, mercy. to a lot of our what we do in the church. Yeah, and and you don't want to you don't want to dismiss the history of the church that some of those existing folks still carry with them, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, there's there's got to be a future, and and so welding those two together, and and that's what we really want to emphasize. I mean, we really want to look at uh, what has been the history, you know, Otter Creek First Baptist. I mean, we look back and we 
and also look look ahead. So it was kind of a two twofold, you know, kind of approach. We wanted to look at what was already what has happened, what's transpired. And there was some some good, yeah, and then there was a lot of not so good stuff. Well, then we had to address all those and have hard conversations so that it really set us on a path uh, that would allow us to reach people. Yeah. Uh, so it was, you know, and there's so many ways when we, you know, and I think that was part of it too, is honoring the past while, you know, propelling ourselves to the future. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we really want to do so that people uh, that have, I mean, because we have people who started, have started, I agree, First Baptist still here. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, so double, we charter sure we let them <laughs> double charter members. Yeah. <laughs> double charter members. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got to have their name on the plaque twice. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Something pretty exciting <laughs> happened with you, um, I guess, the last annual meeting. You were elected one of the vice presidents of the ABSC, so congrats on that. How about that? Yeah, man. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. And then, we're in the presence of royalty here. Yeah, that's right. That's right. What, what else, uh, <laughs> speaking of just exciting things, what, what's been one thing exciting for you personally in the church planting process, but also something exciting corporately? Can you pick out okay. a couple of things? Yeah, I think just uh, personal uh, maturation. Um, I mean, just the willingness to move into really kind of uncomfortable places and make tough decisions. Um, I, I call that kind of living in the drift, uh, you know, because I, that's not anything I think I've done very well at the very beginning. Uh, but when I think about drifting, this is kind of this gradual movement from place to place. And I think if we're, you know, since we're this multi-ethnic, multi-generational church, you know, we have to live out that drifting <laughs> kind of principle, yeah. you know, willing to drift into those kind of uncharted waters, uh, going to places that are uncomfortable sometimes. And a lot of times, you know, people don't like moving into those uncomfortable spaces. Yeah. And as I've, as I've grown personally, um, I, I'm, I'm telling myself it's okay to go into these, you know, tough, tough waters, you know, be, be willing to go there. Cause the, the one principle that rings true in my head every time, is that God is with me if I'm going to comfortable places and even in those uncomfortable places. Yeah. And I think that's why we've been able to reach just different groups of people, uh, because we understand we have to live in that constant drift. Um, and then I think corporately, man, just really witnessing uh, God totally transform this so much church. I mean, it was, I mean, <laughs> I can't say that I've been able to witness anything like this before, yeah. uh, but to see, I mean, this church that was maybe 15, 20 people, uh, just a totally homogenous you know, Anglo-American church, and that's just this beautiful mosaic people. I mean, yeah. I just, I mean, to me, I think that's just a just a God thing. Uh, I remember uh, reading a post on Facebook by one of our, our young couples, and uh, you know, they she just kind of just made the post, "Hey, man, I just love my church. Just being able to see this beautiful picture of people holding hands, you know, praying together, worshiping together." She said, "I, just, I can't say I've been able to see anything like this before." Yeah, and uh, for her to make that post, I mean, just a man to me. That's just that's just God, man. <laughs> well, that's especially incredible. especially with all the divisiveness in our country in recent oh, you yeah. know, recent days. Yeah. I think Otter Creek is a is an example uh, of something that that that's really unique. That's that's only really able to be produced in the gospel, right? You know? Oh yeah, man. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. If you could share one thing with expi- aspiring, not expiring, <laughs> if, with deceased church planters. Wow. And let me try again. If you if you could share, if you could share one thing with aspiring church planters, what would it be? Uh, know who you are. 
because I think uh, one of the things when you look at uh, you know Jesus when he was at age twelve and he was able to say, "Hey, why y'all looking for me? Y'all, y'all must y'all need to know I'm about my father's business." I think he just had a clear understanding of his mission, yeah, uh, who he was and his own DNA, and 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 be comfortable with that. You know, be comfortable with who you look at every morning and not try to be like someone else and try to adopt other another person's you know mission. You know, don't don't co-opt that. No, that's you have your own mission. Yeah. Trust that mission. That's great. That's a great word. You know, I think uh, you know being self-aware, you know, knowing who you are, is is so vital to leading a church because it, you you then define okay, here's my strengths. This is what I'm good mm-hmm. at. Here are my weaknesses. So here's where I need to bring people around me. Uh-oh. It's an expansion of leadership. Uh, it's mm-hmm. an expansion of of understanding. And so that's such a, such a great word for. Well, our, not just our church planners, but our established church pastors as well. Oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. I agree. I agree. I agree. Well, man, awesome. Yep. Awesome. Hey, we're, we do a segment with everybody uh, at the end of the interview called Rapid Fire. And, uh, and so uh, we want some rapid fire, quick answers to these uh, rapid fire questions in a rapid fire manner. How about that? <laughs> Okay. Let's, let's go for it. All man. right. All right. Here we go. Uh, top one or two books that have had the most impact on you? Uh, I'm going to go with The Master Plan of Evangelism by Robert Coleman and Neil Cole's uh, Organic Church. Oh, All good right. ones. Great. Good what, ones. What about your biggest strength in church planting? Uh, fluidity. I'm a pretty fluid guy. I kind of go with the flow. What about your biggest weakness? <laughs> uh, fluidity? I hate to admit this. <laughs> what? Fluidity. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes too fluid. But I I think sometimes just uh, doubt at times, Uh just doubting uh, just some decisions, you know. Yeah, Uh, that'd be a big one a lot of guys will share, I have a feeling. Favorite hobby or pastime? Uh, Let me go with Madden football. Oh, looky there. <laughs> Throw it in a video yeah, game. Yeah, nice. yeah, man. Hey, that's how that's how hey, that's my stress relief, man. I that's get to right. hit somebody. That's yeah. right. That's right. <laughs> what about your favorite movie? Wreck it Ralph. <laughs> yes. Wreck it Ralph. That's a classic. That yeah, is. Man, hey, hey, it's a lot of sermon illustrations. Don't sleep on it, man. There are. There <laughs> are. Wait, I gotta I know this is rapid fire, but I gotta know your favorite Wreck It Ralph sermon illustration. Yeah, yeah. Uh, man, I think it, you know, just watching uh, the character of um, King Candy and his just willingness to <laughs> yes. ignore the plight uh, of the people for his own selfish ambitions. Uh, I think uh, sometimes pastors can take on that mentality that they can be so self-absorbed with their own agenda that they do so at the expense of hurting other people. Yeah, yeah. don't don't be a King Candy. That's how I'm going to use that Absolutely. now. Absolutely. That's, that's the next sermon for Sunday. Don't be a King Candy. You heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. Steve <laughs> Bell, don't be a King Candy. <laughs> All right, favorite band or musician? Uh, Lecrae. Lecrae, yeah. good one. Yeah. Modern-day yeah. poet, yeah. man, I'll tell you. And, and very prophetic, too. Yeah, very yeah, prophetic. man. I had a chance to meet him in person uh, years ago, and just a great guy, very... Very gospel centric man, and his uh, his lifestyle and his preaching and his uh, and his music made us a great guy. Yeah, awesome, awesome. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you, Steve Bell, for hanging out with us. Thank you for your time, Mr. Vice President. That's right. Oh man, look at you, man. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, bro. Man, love you guys, man. Appreciate y'all taking time to food with me. All right, yeah, all right. Anytime. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. Great time talking with Steve, and uh, love that guy. Just, man, such a kingdom heart. 
and uh, doing an incredible job at Otter Creek. Mm-hmm. He has done a masterful job of, of marrying the old group yeah. from Otter Creek First Baptist Church with this new group. And, and really, I mean, the, the, the picture of this church as multi-generational, multi-ethnic, mm-hmm. working together, worshiping together, growing together, a reflection of the community in, yes. in which they live. I mean, it is, it is really a beautiful picture of the church. Done, done an incredible job there. Yeah, and I think you see why he's done a great job, because he said, hey, we didn't rush anything. Yeah. And so many things in ministry and in church planting, it's like, we got to do it today. Yeah. You know, um, but, but being patient. And then he said having a diverse team from both, you know, both groups and just yeah. creating buy-in from everybody. Yeah. I mean, those are strategic uh, things that he did. Yeah. Uh, and really, really some good leadership to, uh, to be able to create that buy-in and get that momentum to, to go forward with uh, Otter Creek Community Church. Yeah. And one of the things that he and I have talked about in the past in, in regards to re- planting is you know one of the things he did that was so strategic and so wise was he he became a pastor to that that older congregation before they ever decided to to yep. shut down Otter Creek yep. First Baptist Church uh, while he was filling in his interim and doing some preaching while he's building his core group right. for the church plant on the mm-hmm. other side he's he's preaching on Sundays to Otter Creek uh, First Baptist Church and really became a pastor to them and loved on them and they absolutely fell in love with Stephen and so when it came time to talk about sharing facilities or merging or whatever it it was a no brainer and and they were excited to have Stephen as their pastor so they shut down Otter Creek First Baptist and reemerged as Otter Creek Community Church and and he just did a masterful job there. Yeah, and also something we failed to mention in our discussion was uh, Steve's the first, I think, African-American first vice president. or Officer, or vice president. period. Yeah, officer, period, yeah, uh, that we've had. So that was a pretty historic thing just for our, our, our tribe. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Something that's long overdue. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and he's a great ambassador, you know, for that, for yeah. that position. So Yeah, if you come to our ABSC annual meetings, it is looking more and more diverse and more and more reflective of, of what God is doing in Arkansas, and we're so excited about that. And, uh, and and as Chad said, it is long overdue. God is doing some amazing things mm-hmm. uh, in breaking down racial barriers in our state, at least within our church uh, churches, and uh, opening up some doors that uh, you know have have been closed before. And so God is good, and uh, Stephen's a great example uh, of what God is doing there, Otter Creek Community Church. It's story time with. Today's story comes from Anthony Banks and the Second Baptist Church in Turrell, Arkansas. Now, at the end of the summer, First Baptist Church Rogers partnered with Anthony Banks and Second Baptist Church, which is a new plant in Turrell. Now, Turrell, for those of you that don't know, is on the opposite side of the state from Rogers, and it's also miles away in cultural context. First Baptist Rogers partnered with Anthony to do daily kids clubs and wrapped up the week with a big community-wide block party. God has been blessing Anthony and Second Baptist Church tremendously since they started a few months ago. But this partnership resulted in an incredible move of God. They averaged between 75 and 100 people each day for the kids clubs and between 100 and 150 showed up for the block party. During these four days of ministry with First Baptist Church Rogers, they saw 12 people give their lives to Christ. 
They have eight confirmed to be baptized so far and are following up with the others. Anthony said, we don't want to baptize people just to be baptizing people. We want to make sure they know what they're doing and why, then we'll baptize them. Since May, they've baptized a total of 12 people, not including the people who gave their lives to Christ during the week of the ministry. They recently had a father and son give their lives to Christ, and Anthony got to baptize them together. God is doing an incredible work in this small Delta town. A big thanks goes out to Chris Roller and the team from First Baptist Church Rogers for their willingness to come and help a new church plant in the Delta. Thank you, Arkansas Baptist, for your partnership and praying for guys like Anthony Banks as they plant churches God has called them to plant. We want to hear your stories as well. You can email us at thegrind at absc.org. Great story there from uh, about Anthony Banks in Turrell, Arkansas. God is doing some amazing stuff with Anthony. They are baptizing almost every week, it seems, and uh, just had a great time with First Baptist Rogers. So thank you. Wade Tomlinson, Chris Roller, Wes George, all you guys and your investment in mm -hmm. Anthony uh, all the way across the state yeah. in the Delta. And uh, just uh, great kingdom impact there, great partner churches. And uh, so we've been excited to tell Anthony's story a little bit. It's called reading. Top to bottom, left to right. Group words together as a sentence. What is this? I'm still sore I never read Moby Dick. I'm very important. You never read anything I asked you to. Uh, I have many leather-bound books. Let's look at Chad and Dave's bookshelf. All right, Dave, what are you reading? Well, this week I've got a, I actually reread a book uh, that was one of the first church planning books I read. It's called 10 Most Common Mistakes Made by New Church Starts by Jim Griffith and Bill Eason. And uh, just some great practical stuff here, some, some initial questions to think through as you're planting, as you're getting ready to launch a new church. And he covers you know, everything from neglecting the great commandment, you know, love God, love your neighbor in pursuit of the great commission, hmm. um, you know, failing to take opposition seriously. It has a great section on spiritual warfare in hmm. here that is really good, a fantastic piece. Uh, premature launch, you know, evangelism ceasing after the launch. Mm -hmm. uh, we do all this work to, to ramp up toward the launch and then don't have a plan afterwards to continue evangelism and outreach. And so just some great, just 10 great practical things to think through as you're launching a, good a new church. Yeah, good stuff. Good book. Yeah, I uh, read a book recently or past couple of years called The Pastor's Kid by Barnabas Piper. You might recognize the last name, <laughs> yeah. John Piper's son. Yeah. Um, really good for a couple of reasons for me. I, I'm a pastor's kid, and then I'm also a pastor or in the ministry, so my kids uh, will be minister's kids. He has a lot of practical advice uh, for, for, you know, kind of unpacking what it means to be a pastor's kid. So I feel like I've uh, kind of had some good, uh, <laughs> good releasing of my issues growing up <laughs> yeah. in a pastor's home. Yeah. Uh, mainly the fact that, you know, you're, you're in a fishbowl yeah. and, and people see you. He talks about, uh, this connection that church members have to the pastor's family, that the pastor's family does not always have to church members, right. and how disproportionate that can be at times, yeah. really resonated with that. Because you'll have people who know details about your life, who want to know personal details about your life that you don't know, Yeah, you know, and, and they'll hug you and things like that, and you're like, I don't 
want to hug you, you know. <laughs> There's just a lot of that difficulty, I think, in being in ministry and, and, and part of just being a pastor is, is, is how do you balance people having a rapport with you that you don't necessarily have with, with everybody else. Yeah, yeah. So it's really good. And then I just, you know, want to be sensitive to to my kids and, 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 and how I deal with them knowing what ministry is like and if I can save them from some of the awkwardness of, of growing up and yeah. some of the woundedness that yeah. comes with you know, the conflict in churches. Yeah. Uh, definitely want to do that. So he gives some good practical advice for how, how pa- what pastors can do for their kids and then how churches can, can interact with the pastor's family. So I think uh, if both of those parties work on, work on their relationship, it could be very beneficial yeah. uh, for that. So. I you know, grew up as a pastor's kid as well yeah. and have kids myself. And, yeah. you know, it was fascinating. When I went to college and went away for the first time, it was the first time in my life that my dad was not my pastor. Yeah. And, uh, and I've always known almost everybody in the church, mm-hmm. you know, from the oldest to the youngest. I knew all the deacons. I knew all the leaders, you know, just because we were in their home. They were in our home. We had relationships. And and they wanted to know me. You mm-hmm. know, that you know, they they may have a deeper relationship with us sometimes than we had with them. Yes. But when I went to college and went to church for the first time where I was not the pastor's kid mm-hmm. and not part of the preacher's family, it was it was tough. And, and I've heard somebody say one time, you know, visiting a church for the first time is like attending somebody else's family reunion. <laughs> yeah. For the first time in my life, I knew what that felt like. Right. Uh, where they didn't necessarily care if I was there or not. Yeah. It wasn't that they were unfriendly or didn't want me there. Yeah. I just didn't have that same status sure. that I once did. And uh, it was it was interesting. Where, where you found that to be interesting, I found that to be liberating. <laughs> right, right. I, I think it's hard because my identity was wrapped up in who my dad was as the pastor and yeah. who my grandfather was as this guy who started a school. And, you know, so I've always kind of been Gray Allison's grandson and Charlie Grigsby's son. So when I went to college, I was Chad Grigsby. You right. Know? And so having my own identity and being able to shape that, uh, people's view of me was my own doing yeah. versus who I'm related to. That was liberating for me. And I think kind of helped me be more comfortable in my own skin Yeah, the older I got. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's something all of us face, you know, with our kids. You know, you want to have a – and my family's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Love them. Great home life. I don't, Same here. I don't have yeah. – yeah, I don't have, <laughs> you know, horrible, you know, pastor's kid stories. I mean, I did my own – you know, a little bit of rebellion, but, uh, uh, but great home life. And, uh, we want to provide that same, you know, for our kids as well. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Thanks guys for, for listening once again. And uh, a couple things coming up, we've got our Bivo one day event with Hugh Halter and Brad Briscoe coming up. And, uh, so September 24th here at the Arkansas Baptist State Convention, building 10 Remington Drive, Little Rock, Arkansas. And so uh, there's an Eventbrite registration link on our Facebook page that will be posted regularly. Uh, We'll post it on our website as well. So go on there and register. And uh, lunch will be provided. Also, we'll need a good count for that. So go register on Eventbrite. Uh, We've got interviews coming up with Mark Cox, uh, in Columbus, Ohio, our good friend. Uh, interviews coming up with Todd Ingstrom from Austin Stone Community Church, Dean Fulks from Columbus, Ohio. Several good good guests coming up, so stay tuned for, for more to come there. Chad, closing remarks. Yeah, we're also doing a book giveaway, so go on iTunes and review the podcast. Good or bad, either way, take a screenshot of it. 
uh, or send us your review in the email uh, mailbag, thegrind at absc.org, and we'll do a drawing based on those reviews uh, and give away some of the books we've been talking about on our bookshelf. That's right. We need to know who you are so we can send you the book. So tell us who you are when you (laughs) write your review and send it in. So uh, that's great. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes as well and uh, uh, tell us what you think. And we're so thankful that you've chosen to listen to this and hope it's been helpful and beneficial. And so until next time, Dave McClung signing off. Keep grinding.